on this journey I get lost in my mistakes What looks to me like weakness Is a canvas for your strength And my story isn't over My story's just begun And there you want to find me Cause that's what my father does There you want to find me Cause that's what my father does Lay your burdens down Ooh. Here in the Father's house Check your shame at the door Cause it ain't welcome anymore Ooh. You're in the Father's
stay on there? Thank you. Um, so I want to tell you guys a little bit about something that should have been, um, I believe, on the board the last couple of weeks. Um, something that God has laid on my heart, because y'all, most of y'all know, I was a youth director for a while. We stepped away from that. Had some life, life events. And so I stepped back from a lot of things within the church because I needed time to, to deal with, with losing my husband. And so, but he's also very good at telling me, okay, you've had your break, it's time, get up, it's time to do something. So, so I have met with, with Zach and some of the men of the church and some of the ladies of the church, and we have come up with a new thing that we're doing, and it's life skills. And that's very broad, but I need y'all to know that's not just what this is. It's not just for our youth. This is something that is, I don't pick on him, so I'm sorry, Hunter Ray, but it's, we need our kids to have somebody other than their parents because we know how smart we are, but our children, for some reason, do not think we are. <laughs> so, so I need them, especially my children, because, again, I'm being selfish, but I want, I want our kids to have somebody to come to. And what better place for them to look for good Christian influences than the church body? And that's where you guys come into play. Um, so this is going to be something we do once a quarter, and it's going to be something different each time. Our first event is November 19th, and we are Baptist, so we are going to be eating. So um, we're going to be teaching the kids, and by we, I mean I'm just kind of helping to coordinate it. So this is where I need you to step in and come and be willing to teach them how to cook something. Um, we already have the two main meats taken care of, and we have already had some volunteers to tell us um, – that they will help with homemade bread, um, with knife skills. Um, I've got a dessert. So I still need a few more of our sides. So if you are willing, November 19th from 12 to 3 is going to be our cooking time, our teaching time. Um, from 3 to 5, we've cooked it. We need to eat it. Um, so if you are willing to be one of those adults um, that would be willing to come out on that particular day and to help teach our youth something, but I want it to, it's not going to be just you coming to teach. This is to help build a bond and a relationship between you as the adults of the church and our children of the church. Um, and no matter how old our children get, they will still be our children. I want them to feel comfortable coming to you with their, hey, this exciting happened, or hey, I've had a rough week. This is just something to help build our church bond um, so that we're not that group, that group, that group. Let's, I really want us to be able to, to come together. And sometimes it might be the adults who, who go to the kids and be like, I had a bad day, and let them take some of that burden. We need to be able to share because I'm going to tell you all, without this church body, my family would not have made it the last two years. And so I want to bring, make sure that we can bring that in to our entire church. So if you are willing to come on the 19th and teach, let me know. We do have a deadline. Um, technically, it's today. I'll extend it because I was not here last week to make the announcement. So, But if you're willing to help, let me know. We would love to have you. Thank you. Every wife in here signed her husband up to come learn how to cook that day. Uh, I volunteer to help you learn how to boil water. Okay, I can do that. It's, you, I, 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 need, I, I can teach somebody how to boil water. That's about the extent of my cooking skills. It's good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, just a couple things really, really quick. 
I hope that you picked up a bulletin on the way in. Uh, please make that a habit as you are making your way into the sanctuary to grab a hold of a bulletin. Uh, usually we have one of our greeters out there that's handing them out. If they're busy or something and, and you can't get one from them, there's usually some on the table right beside the doors that you come in. Uh, make sure you pick one of these up because all of the announcements that we have are vitally important. We also have all of our announcements scrolling on the screen prior to us beginning our five-minute countdown uh, each Sunday morning. So you can find most of the announcements there. Uh, two, one is that uh, today at 5 p.m. we're having an, a mission trip interest meeting. So attending today's meeting does not obligate you to go on a mission trip. But we're looking to see how many people may be interested in traveling to uh, Malawi, Africa in June. Uh, that's the uh, country that we traveled to this past June. We've built a house there for a family. I've got a video I'm going to be showing you in the next couple of weeks that I think you're going to be absolutely amazed at how God has used our church and used you to bless an entire village there. Uh, but we do want to send a team back there in June. And so if you are interested, if you think you might be interested, that's why we're having the meeting today at 5 o'clock, and we're going to meet here in the sanctuary. So if you'll come, we'll give you the information about the trip. You'll, get, uh, you'll have an idea of what's going on. Something that we didn't do last year uh, actively that we want to do this coming year is because the prices are going up on everything. And uh, I think you've already seen that and you're aware of that. Uh, the price of the trip is going up. So we want to be able to find out how many people are interested in going so we can start helping them raise the funds to go. Uh, because it can be an expensive trip, but it is uh, it's a wonderful trip. It is a life-changing trip. And if you think you're interested in it, please be here today at 5 o'clock. Uh, also, on the 6th, November 6th, first Sunday in November, two weeks from today, uh, we're having a baby dedication and baptismal service. So uh, if you have uh, a child that you would like to have dedicated in that service, I need to know today. Uh, if you have, if you're a believer, you followed Christ uh, in salvation, but you've never been baptized, followed through with believer's baptism, please see me today. We would love for you to be a part of that bad, baptismal service. So th- that's all coming up today. So make sure you're aware of those. Pick up the bulletin, read the announcements that are there. Thank you for being here today. Let's take a moment to pray together. Our Father and our God, it's so good to be in this house of worship on this Lord's Day. We thank you, Father, for the health, the strength that you've given to us to be able to get out of bed, to be able to make our way here. We thank you for the fellowship that we've already enjoyed with those that we've met here in this room already. And Lord, we we thank you for the fellowship that's going to take place even as we go through this time together. We pray, Father, that you would be at work among us today. We know that there are some who have entered into this place today, Lord, who who have just, who've just had a horrific week. And it just seems that, Lord, they're wounded today and they're, they're looking for some help and some hope today. And I pray, Father, that as we go through our time together, that you minister to that heart, whether it's through the fellowship we enjoy, through the songs that we sing, or through the study of your word. Father, meet that need. And, Lord, there's others who have come here today that, whose hearts are full of rejoicing because this has just been a joyous week. 
So many things, so many blessings have been enjoyed. And Lord, today I just pray that today will be a day that we celebrate with them as we celebrate what you're doing in their life and how you are working. So Lord, whatever the need may be today, we, we lay it at your feet. Lord Jesus, we pray that your name is going to be exalted in this place today above every name and that in everything that we do, we bring honor and glory to you. For it's in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Mm. Finally. Peace and quiet. Peace and quiet. Now let's pack those Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. If you're like me, it can be difficult to know where to start. To make things easier, just start with a box. Any average size cardboard or plastic box will work, but I find a shoe box works best. After that, you'll need to decide what age group you're going to pack for, and if it's for a boy or a girl. Now let's fill that shoe box. It's best to start by selecting a wow item, something like a soccer ball and a pump, or a stuffed animal, something really special. <laughs> yes and yes. Once you've got your wow item, you can start to fill it with other fun stuff like toys, clothes, sandals, or even school supplies. <laughs> what do you mean, however? However, there are some things you don't want to include. Things like gum, toothpaste, items related to war, liquids. But for a complete list, check out the website. Oh boy, I think they're gonna like this. While a shoebox might seem small and simple, it can mean the world to a child who may have never received a gift. It shows God's love in a tangible way to children in need, and together with the local church worldwide, shares the good news of Jesus Christ. This is why you will also want to personalize your shoebox. Even including a letter or a photo of your family or yourself can make it extra special to the child. The most powerful thing you can do is pray. Pray that your gift will make an impact. That both the child and the community will discover the love and name of Jesus. When your box is finished, you can make your $10 donation online or by mailing in your contribution using the business reply envelope in the brochure. This donation is critical for training and equipping local churches to share the gospel, along with the collection, processing, and shipping of the shoebox gifts. And don't forget to activate a label so you can follow your box and discover its final destination. Finally, make sure to check the website for the closest drop-off location near you. And make sure to mark the date for the third week in November as National Collection Week. Well, there you go. You just packed yourself a shoebox. <laughs> Grandma. Already done. What? How? I thought she wasn't going to stores right now. She isn't. She packed her box online. That's right, Dad. With just a few clicks of a mouse, Grandma packed her whole shoebox online. She can choose from all kinds of gifts, even make it personal by adding a letter and a photo. Wow. So she doesn't even need to leave the house. Nope. She can stay safe inside and still have time for Doomcraft. Stocking complete. You guys should know all of us, but if you do not, 
I'm Tony. This is my wife, Courtney, and our daughter, Mia. And we want to talk to you today about Operation Christmas Child. Um, sorry, my phone went off. <laughs> All right, so we want to thank you for packing shoeboxes uh, for Operation Christmas Child. Mia and I want to share a few tips for packing these boxes. So if you give something like wooden pencils... Make sure to also include a pencil sharpener. Okay, if you pack a deflated ball, make sure you also pack a pump and needles. If you give a coloring book, make sure that you also pack crowns and markers. If you buy a flashlight for your box, make sure to pack batteries. Okay, so our goal as one church body is 200 boxes. And if we get there, Mia will do more announcements for the church. So also keep in mind one final tip is make sure if you buy in bulk, like turn around, like these toothbrushes, then that might be cheaper for you to pack more than one shoebox. So also we want to remind you that the most important part of sharing a box with a child is not just the gift, but also the in- eternal impact. Philippians 1.9 says, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So, come on, guys. Let's pack these boxes. And like I said, maybe Mia will do more announcements in the future. you to stand as we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive today's message.
Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much to be in your house this morning to praise your name. God, we thank you for a beautiful week that you gave us and let the light shine in the darkness that we're around. God, I ask your blessings on the tithes and offerings as we bring them to you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Great job, Mia. Great job, girl. I tell you, it takes uh, some courage to get up here and, and be in front of a lot of people like that. You did well, young lady. You did well. Well, thank you again for being here today. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of our worship service. And I want to invite you at this time, if you have your Bible handy with you, whether it's a written copy or a digital copy, if you will, find your way to Mark chapter number 2. Mark chapter number 2. And while you're turning there, I just let you know that uh, our church is going to be highlighted in a couple of weeks at the Operation Save uh, end of the year banquet that they have when all their benefactors come together. Uh, these are corporate donors, uh, individual donors, people who have uh, given uh, very faithfully to the ministry over the past year. Uh, they have a big banquet for all of them, and they highlight different ministries and different projects that took place during the year with Operation Save, and uh, you guys are being featured in that. So uh, we're going to have a, a, the privilege of sharing what God has done through you, uh, First Baptist Church of Locust, with uh, all of these folks coming up in just a couple of weeks, and I'll be sharing with the, those that are present there that day. Uh, how God has, has really used you to make a difference, not just in the life of one family, but in the life of a village. Uh, folks, I want you to know that there is a Bible study going on in that house right now. Uh, and there is the plans to plant a, a uh, church in that village from that Bible study that's taking place in the house that God used you to build. So there's an entire village of people in Malawi, Africa, that is being impacted by your faithfulness uh, in serving God and giving toward helping that take place. Mark chapter uh, number 2. You know, I'm sitting here talking to you all about all that, and I didn't get to Mark chapter 2 myself. That's bad, ain't it, when the preacher's not in the right place? Mark chapter number 2. Let's read verses 1 through 12 together. Here's what the Bible says. When he had come back to Capernaum several days afterwards, it was heard that he was at home or in the house is the way the King James Version puts that. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming. 
Who can forgive sins but God? Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, he said to them, why, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, pick up, uh, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up his pallet and went out in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, again, thank you for the privilege, the opportunity to gather together as this local body of believers. Lord, we are mindful that every person in this room right now, every person who will watch this online is a part of this service by divine appointment. Not one, not a single one, is by coincidence or happenstance. But Lord, long before this day ever came about, you knew that this group of people would gather together. You knew the needs of every heart. You knew the, you knew the, the desires of every heart. And Lord, you prepared for us today your word. So we pray now, Lord, that you give us ears to hear what you have to say. That we'll understand that everything that's taking place today is for us. That this is, you, you are, you are putting this together for us. You led Nancy to these songs for us. You, you've opened up this word for us. So Lord, help us not to miss what you have today. May your name be honored and glorified as we receive your word and respond to your word is my humble prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We have spent the last five weeks now talking about biblical community. And if you've missed any of those messages over the last five weeks, the good news is they're online on our church website, firstbaptistlocus.com. You can go there and pick up any of that you may have, have missed. We've looked at things like, what is biblical community? What's the foundation for it? What are the proofs that it exists? And we've even looked at the keys to having it. But today, I want us to see what biblical community looks like when it's put in action. That's what we're, we're, we're looking at today. We're watching all of those things we've talked about with biblical community. We're watching it in action. We're seeing what it looks like when it's being utilized and, and played out in the lives of people. The event that we are, have read about this morning is recorded, of course, here in Mark's gospel. But it's also recorded in Matthew chapter 9 and in Luke chapter 5. In other words, this event was so significant that three of the four gospel writers chose to record this event in their writings. So that tells us that there's something major taking place here. There's something important that is 
is being revealed through this passage of Scripture. In fact, a lot of the scholars, as they have studied this event, believe that this event actually took place at the home of Simon Peter. Now, we have no way of proving that definitively, but most believe that it was. But here's what we know. Everything that we've studied so far concerning biblical community is on display in this historical event. So today, here's what I want to do in the moments that we have left together. I want us to look at three elements of biblical community that are on display for us here. What is it that we're, we're looking at? How do we see biblical community being played out? Here's the first element that we see on display, and that's what the empathy was being practiced. Empathy was being practiced. Now, empathy is defined as the action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously, vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experience of someone else. In other words, it's putting yourself in someone else's shoes. It's trying to see things from their perspective. It's trying to, to, to connect with them on, on a level where you try to understand what they are going through. Scripture reveals to us at least four men in this village of Capernaum practiced empathy when it came to this one paralyzed man. There were at least four that we know of. We don't know how or even if they knew this paralytic man personally, but they obviously knew of him. We don't know if these four men had a relationship with each other as friends or family members or neighbors. We we don't know that. We don't know what capacity they had with each other, nor do we know what capacity they had with this paralytic man. But here's what we do know. They saw his need, and they were filled with empathy toward him. Something in their soul and spirit was stirred by the condition that, that, that they found this man. They saw this paralytic man, and, and something within them began to stir so that each one of these four men had empathy for this paralytic man. This paralytic man. Now, however it came about, and we don't know how it came about, these four men became aware of the need, and it moved them with compassion toward the person who was in need. They may have all four seen him at the same time. They may have seen him at four different times. But the fact is, they became aware of the need, and it moved them with empathy. Now, within the body of Christ, and within your sphere of influence, there are needs all around us. There are people who have, who have emotional needs. There are people who have physical needs. There are people who have spiritual needs. And they're all around us. We're, we're surrounded by people that are needing something. And the question is, Are we paying attention and noticing those needs? Are we seeing them? Now, it may be a co-worker. It might be a neighbor. It might be a person sitting in the pew beside of you or in front of you or behind you. It may be someone that you're just acquainted with. But do you see 
their need. You say, Here's the problem. It's so easy to get caught up in our daily schedules and our daily responsibilities that we fail to see the needs of others around us. We're so we're so busy. We're, we're, we're like that old plow horse that has the blinders on. And we, we, we are so focused on, on the, our life and, and what's going on in our, in our life and in our family and our group and, and, and trying to meet our schedule and take care of our responsibilities that we, we go through life with blinders on. And we miss seeing the needs around us. The Holy Spirit of God that indwells every single believer calls for us to notice the needs of the hurting and the struggling around us. The Holy Spirit of God does that. We, we know that Jesus had a, a, a passion and, and empathy. He, he, had a, he had a desire to help those with needs that were around him wherever he went. Whenever needs were presented, Jesus was moved with compassion and empathy toward that need. That, my friend, is the body of Christ. That's my responsibility. That is your responsibility as a believer, is to allow the Holy Spirit of God to open our eyes so that as we're going through our daily routine, as we're, as we're taking care of our responsibilities, we are noticing the hurting and the struggling around us. We're, we're seeing the needs. But it's not just seeing them, it's to be filled with empathy toward them. So that number one element of, or key element of, of biblical community that's being displayed for us is that they practiced empathy. But that, that leads us to the second key element of biblical community. And that is that effort was put forth. You see, here's the thing. It wasn't just enough for them to have empathy toward the condition of this man. It's not enough for just them to walk by him every single day or, or to know of his need, however it may have been, and to think... I feel sorry for that gentleman. I feel sorry for his plight. I can't imagine what he goes through every day. He is totally dependent on people around him to get him from place to place and, and to help him with different things. And I feel sorry for that man. It's easy for us to, to, to have empathy, but we have to go even beyond that. These four men, however they came together and however they may have united together, they, they decided that we're going to help this man. Not just one of us, but all four of us, we're going to do something to try to help this man. We have seen his need, we have been filled with compassion and empathy, and now we're going to do something about it. We're going to put forth some effort. Now, news was all over Capernaum. Jesus, that great prophet, the great healer, he is in their city. This is the opportunity. This is the time. They've seen the need. They, they're filled with empathy toward him. And, and, and now they've decided they're going to put their empathy in action. They're going to do something about the need that they have witnessed. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to get together and devise a plan. 
How are we going to meet this man's need? And I'm, I'm sure as the four are huddled together, all di- types of ideas begin to come to the surface. Well, maybe we can do this. That's a good idea. Oh, but w- w- what if we do this? Oh, that's a good idea. But finally, they came to an agreement. And here's what this agreement would be. We're going to carry this man to see Jesus. We're going to take him to Jesus. Because here's the one thing they agreed on. Is that Jesus is the one who can meet his need. Jesus is the one that can take care of him. We, we, we can carry him. We can transport him. We can get him there. But Jesus is what he needs. His real need is not just, not just to, to be relocated, but his real need is Jesus. And we're going to get him there. One way or another, we've decided that we're going to band together to meet this man's need by taking him to the one who can bring healing to his body. Now, the goal wasn't just to relocate him to the house where Jesus was. They weren't just getting him a front row seat to the teaching of Jesus. They weren't just trying to get him within view of Jesus. The very goal for which they had for transporting him was that he would be touched by Jesus and made whole. That his need would be met. That was their goal. Now this was not going to be an easy task. These four men had already heard the the rumors and the word around town, how many people were going. And it seemed like everyone in Capernaum was interested in hearing what Jesus had to say. Many more, even, even the scribes and the Pharisees who hated Jesus with a passion, even they were wanting to go so they could hear what Jesus had to say. This was going to be no easy task. Number one, this man is dead weight. There's nothing he can do to help them. He, he, he can't just kind of, sort of carry some of his weight, and they're just going to help him limp along. They've got to carry him in dead weight to where Jesus is. You ever tried to carry somebody's dead weight? I want to tell you something. You never realize just how weak you are until you try to pick another human being up that can't help you pick themselves up. This was going to be no easy task. It was dead weight. And the crowd, oh, the crowd was so large. How are we going to fight our way through this crowd? I mean, there, there's, the, the entire village has come out. The entire town is there. And, and, and the throne of people, there's no, I mean, they're, they're, they're all around this house. They're trying to just lean in and listen to what Jesus is saying. How are we going to fight through this crowd? It's not going to be easy. And thirdly, they realize that if push comes to shove, you know what? We may have to actually hoist him up onto the roof of this house and find a way in from the top since we can't get in through the door. I think we need to appreciate the dedication and determination of this man. By the way, when you decide that you're going to put forth the effort to help someone in need, I want you to understand it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. These men had to give up their time. They had to give of their energy. They had to give of, of, of themselves to plan. They had to give of themselves to execute. They, they had to give something in order to meet this man's need. 
And we have to appreciate the, the dedication and the determination that they had. It was no small task that they chose to, to undertake. But to simply have empathy for this man's condition and do nothing about it, their empathy is worthless. Listen to how James puts this in James chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Here's what James says. If a brother or sister is without clothing or in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, yet you do, you do not give them what's necessary for their body, what use is that? And in the same way also, if faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. In other words, it's not just enough to look at someone and say, I feel sorry for them. I wish there was something I could do. It's not enough to say to someone that, that you feel sorry for them. Can I, tell you the, can I tell you the religious way of getting out of responsibility? You already know what it is. When you really don't want to do anything, but you know there's a need, can I tell you the religious way to get out of it? I'm going to pray for you. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying for people. We understand that. That's our duty, isn't it? As believers, this is yes, this is no. Preacher, hurry up. That's our duty is to pray for people. But listen, if that's all we ever do, is walk past people with needs and say, I'm going to pray for you, then we've missed the point of what God's called us to do. They had to put forth some energy. They had to put forth some effort. So that first key element of biblical community that's on display is that they practiced empathy. But then the, the second key, of uh, that second element of, of biblical community that's on display, is that they put forth some effort. It's not enough just to see the need. We need to meet the need. But then there's a, a third element that's on display here. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Of all the times I have read through this passage of Scripture, this is the first time in my 31 years of ministry I noticed this key element. So what is it? Eagerness was present. What are you talking about, Tommy? Well, eagerness was present. Can I ask you a question? What happens if the paralyzed man refuses the help that's offered to him? What happens? Nothing, right? He remains paralyzed. His situation stays the same. His condition doesn't change. His need is still there. It's not met in any way. These four men have empathy and are willing to put forth the effort. But what if the crippled man says, I refuse to go with you. I refuse to let you help me. Herein lies, I believe, one of the, the greatest problems that we face. And that is not that most people don't have empathy for others. Because I believe a lot of people do. And it's not even that most people aren't willing to put forth the effort to help other people because I think most people are willing. The problem is that too many of us that have needs refuse the help that's offered to us. And it's usually because of our pride. 
This crippled man had the right and the opportunity to refuse their help. He could have said, hey, guys, listen, (laughs) thank you. I appreciate, uh, man, I appreciate your offer. That is so kind of you. I, I, I thank you for thinking of me. I thank you for wanting to help me. But man, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna be embarrassed if you start toting me through a crowd. <laughs> I, I'm really, I mean, you know, that, I, that, those are my neighbors around that house. Those are people that I, I know from the village that are over there. I, I, that's gonna be too embarrassing if they see you toting me through the crowd. I, you know, <laughs> thank you so much, but I'm, I'm just, uh, I don't know if I want to do that. Or better yet, maybe he said, okay, I'll, I'll let you get me to the house. And so they pick him up and they begin to carry his, his cot that he's sat on or, or has laid upon for all these years and they carry it to the house and they get to the, to the house and the crowd is so great and they start talking to each other and they say, okay, we're going to have to go to plan B. We got to get up on the roof. And what if the man would have said, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. You're not toting me up there. You want to go up there, you go up there, but you're not toting me up there. How embarrassing would that be? We all know the truth. If he had refused their help, he would have never been healed and would have never been restored. What if he had just said, my struggle is my struggle, and it's none of your business. Just stay out of my business. I'll take care of myself. I can handle this by myself. He would have still been crippled. In fact, most likely, he would have died a crippled man. But instead, the crippled man allowed himself to receive help. That means he had to swallow some pride, didn't it? He kind of had to swallow a little bit of pride, man. Jeez. But instead, he eagerly accepted their offer for help. Now, I want, I, want you to, I want you to notice what's happening here. He is putting his faith in these four men. But who are these four men putting their faith in? In Jesus. I, I don't know if this man had heard of Jesus or not. Likely he had heard something and, and the news had been all around Capernaum about what Jesus could do and, and was doing. No doubt he had heard bits and pieces But as he sat there on his cot, he thought, well, I'll never find out because I'll never get there. But he's putting his faith in these four men who are going to carry him. He is at their mercy. At any point in the journey, they could have gotten, uh, become weary and tired or, or, or or injured and said, you know what? We're done with this. We're just going to, we're just going to take him back or we're going to leave him right here. But he had faith in these men that they would get him there. As they're climbing up on the roof, as they're, they're making their way up onto the roof of the house and they're carrying this paralyzed man, he had faith they're going to get me up there. 
I hear them grunting. <laughs> I see the sweat dripping off of their chin. I see their muscles trembling, but I've got faith. They're going to get me up there. But these four men had faith that if we can just get him to Jesus, he'll take care of the rest. In fact, notice what the Bible says. That once they got this crippled man on the roof, they were able to make a way to lower him down. The Bible says, as Jesus is looking up, and I, I can't help but believe, you know, there's, there's debris falling down from the, from the ceiling that's being removed. Maybe falling in his hair, falling on his clothes, and getting all over the people that are closest to him. And as Jesus is watching them lower this man down, they've carried him all the way from the house of the paralyzed man now to this house. They've carried him up on the roof. They've removed the roof. And now with all the strength that they have left, they're lowering him down. And the Bible says that, and Jesus seeing their faith said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. You see, he put his faith in the men. But the men put their faith in Jesus. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's people all around you that have needs that are struggling and are hurting. And they need Jesus and they don't even know that's who they need. They just know they got a need. They don't know who they need. Or what they need, they just know they need. But you and I, as followers of Christ, we know what they need. And we know who they need. They need Jesus. He's going to be the one that can bring healing and hope to their heart and to their life. People may put their faith in you. Your job is to keep your faith in Jesus. I want to close out by asking just a couple of questions. Are your eyes open? Really open so that God can reveal the needs of others around you. Are your eyes really open? Second, I want to ask you what effort are you making to meet the needs you've already been shown? Listen, I'm not talking about walking around handing out $100 bills. I'm talking about maybe somebody just needs you to come alongside of them and walk with them through a crisis. Maybe what they need is a friend. Maybe what they need is a shoulder. Maybe what they need is an ear that will listen. Maybe what they need is somebody just to watch their kids for a little bit so they can they can go run errands. Maybe, maybe what they need more than anything else is for you to sit with their sick loved ones so that they can get out of the house and keep their sanity by getting a little bit of fresh air. You see, we're not talking about walking around handing out blank checks. We're talking about putting forth some effort. But here's one I really want to ask. Are you allowing God to use others to meet your needs?
It's easy to become the caregiver to a point where we feel like we don't need anyone else to help us. Today, are you seeing the needs? Are you meeting the needs? But better yet, are you accepting the help? In this room right now, I I can't help but believe there's people that are struggling. There are people that are battling. It may be in areas that no one else in this church knows about. Not another single soul. First of all, have you looked around to see who has needs around you? And secondly, if you have a need, have you revealed it to someone? Jesus may be sending somebody right by you today that can help meet that need. But you're too proud to let them see it. Too proud to let them know you got it. And even if they offer help, you're too proud to take it. One of the greatest blessings you'll ever have is not only giving help to those who have need, but receiving help from those God sends to meet your needs. In just a moment, we're going to stand together. We're going to sing together. We've got a a brief business conference at the end of our service this morning. It'll be very brief, I promise. But I want to ask you, you, are you seeing? Are you seeing the needs? If not, will you pray today, Lord, open my eyes this week that as, as, Lord, as you take me through my daily routine, as you guide me along my pathway, Lord, don't let me miss the people that you've put in my way that have needs. Give me compassion. Give me empathy toward them. And maybe you've already noticed that need and that your prayer today just needs to be, Lord, show me what I can do. Lord, show me how you want to work in me and through me to meet that need. Or it may be that you have the need today and you just need to say, Lord, help me to swallow this pride and let others help me. Psalter is always open if you feel led to come and pray. If you want to pray where you are, that's fine. But today's the day we get to decide what we're going to do with biblical community. Are we going to put it in action or not? We know now what it looks like. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your plan for meeting needs is to work through your children, your church, your body. Lord, that when we allow you to open our eyes, you show us those around us that are hurting and struggling. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that in that moment you fill our heart with empathy and compassion toward them. But Lord, please don't stop there. Begin to illuminate our minds and our hearts. Show us, Lord, how you want to work in us and through us to bring that person to you that their need may be met. And Lord, I pray for that one that's struggling in this room right now and they've just been keeping that need all tucked inside, putting that smile on their face, making like nothing's wrong. But Lord, you see their heart. You see their hurt. You see their struggle. 
I pray today, Lord, that you give them the courage to allow others that you send to help them. So, Lord, in these next few moments, will you do for us what only you can do? Is our humble prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.
Thank you so much. I'm going to ask you to be seated for just a second uh, as we take a moment to go into 